Hello again, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Creepy Tech Podcast. My name is Lydia Champole, and I'm so excited to share another interesting yet creepy technology that's changing not only the way that we behave, but also our perceptions on what we believe is real. This week, we're going to do a deep dive into how China has created and is implementing a social credit score system into its society. We're going to discuss what this system is, how it's being used, and how it may affect us moving forward. Let's jump right into it. The idea of the credit score system has been around since 1989, and most of us are familiar with the intention behind the system. Credit scores were initially known as a FICO score, which was the measure of how trustworthy an individual is in terms of spending, saving, and their ability to pay back loans or credit lines. Companies use these scores to predict the potential risk of lending money to an individual or business, and these scores are used by just about everyone in the world. Credit bureaus, there's typically three in the United States and the UK as well, I believe. These credit bureaus collect data on how we spend money, how we pay back our credit lines and loans, and also if any other companies ever have issues getting their money back from us. The idea in itself is normal enough. Sure, we all want to be able to get a new car or qualify for a home loan or apply for a credit card for unexpected travel or family emergencies. Lines of credit or loans are a way for us to get those things and pay for large purchases over an established period of time. But they do have a dark side. Most notably, the consequences that we have to deal with when we make bad financial decisions or can't pay back the money we initially borrowed, which leads to a lower credit score. It is commonly understood that a bad credit score means that we may no longer be able to rent an apartment, buy a car, or even own a home, which are all pretty big things to come to terms with. But what happens when governments begin to introduce a nationwide mandatory social credit score system? What impacts will this have on our lifestyle, friendships, relationships, and career options? You may already be wondering where I'm going with this week's episode. Well, let me introduce to you the newest and creepiest technology being implemented in China. In early 2010, China began testing the beta program of their social credit score system, and by 2014, they began allowing companies to tackle the task. The pilot program has been running for about nine years now, and China has stated that by the year 2020, all Chinese citizens will be in an official database. The social credit scores of every single citizen will be made publicly available and fully enforceable by 2020. So what is this social credit score system, and why should we even be concerned about it in the first place? It doesn't even sound like that big of a deal. The social credit score system is made up of a whole bunch of data, much more than what the U.S. currently uses for its financial credit score system. And at the moment, the social credit scores of individuals is basically monitored by either Chinese city councils or large private tech platforms that hold and maintain citizens' personal data. There's no one official system in place. Instead, companies like Ant Financial Zima Credit, which is also currently known as Sesame Credit, have essentially created private versions of this government program. And the intention is that the government may collect all of the data assembled by these companies in the future. In the future, in this, in this case, means around the year 2020. They're not really sure when everything is going to be ready for the database to be up and running, but... Their goal is to have it up and running at some point in 2020. But 
at the moment since these companies are not actually part of the government's plan. The data and the companies collecting and creating individuals' profiles may actually be shut down once the government decides how to enforce the credit program nationwide. And in the future, since the government will be monitoring and controlling this program and its data, any individual who is caught behaving against the standards set by the government can be punished by law. And I know, these days we casually discuss data collection like it's not really a big deal. We quickly accept terms of service agreements without fully reading the fine print, as if it doesn't even matter. But ARC data says a lot about us, and the Chinese government and companies worldwide know just how much they can influence us once they have our information. While reading the press release from the Chinese Copyright and Media website, edited by Roger Creamers, which was officially released in June of 2014, the intention of the Social Credit Scores program is pretty clear. The release says the following, quote, It is necessary to strengthen supervision, management, and punishment of trust-breaking enterprises and employees, and progressively establish cross-regional and cross-sectoral credit reward and punishment mechanisms, end quote. Breaking this down, the overall intention seems pretty logical and almost pleasant. I'm sure many of us have been conned, robbed, or otherwise taken advantage of through a business transaction or friendship or just by a random stranger that we've met on the street. And if someone were to offer you a way to know exactly how honest and reputable every person you meet has been, and essentially provide you a prediction of their future behavior, I know a lot of us would jump at the chance and rejoice in the added peace of mind that comes with knowing who you can trust. But, we must start asking ourselves, does a government body imposing this system begin to encroach on our rights as human beings? And can this system be used to restrict those rights? And how can individuals even protect themselves when their data is used against them to imprison or restrict them from the basics of survival like housing or access to adequate nutrition or even fair opportunity? Now, you may be thinking that having a database that you can access before making decisions on who to trust could be a good thing. And yeah, I'm with you there. I can partially agree with you. The thing that I would have to add is that for this system to be beneficial to the way that we interact with each other, it must meet some basic requirements. One, for a system like this to work, it should be monitored and controlled by an unbiased board or company. This board must also have regulations that they must follow to ensure that fair and honest practices are being followed. Individuals in this board or company must also be held to the same standard that the population is held to. And I mean, this is pretty basic, but there are circumstances where companies create rules for individuals to follow, yet they don't even follow those rules themselves. And that could become a problem in the long run. Number two, the rules that govern this system must also be agreed upon by all individuals participating in the program. And if we take a look back at our history or any other country's history in general, we can find multiple examples of times where society set standards and norms for behavior that clearly went against what was ethical or moral. And for that reason, regulations that are now put in place must be able to evolve and change to fit the population and the times. Number three, individuals must have access to their data and the ability to appeal any information which they believe was incorrectly reported. And for those without the means to appeal their credit scores, the government must be able to provide them with the ability or the resources to do so. 
At the very least, these three basic requirements should be kept in mind while developing this system for use on large populations. The collection of data on individuals' behavior, interests, habits, and actions is a hotly debated topic in every single industry at this very moment, and rightfully so. As technology evolves and humans adapt to these changes, the regulations that govern how data is collected and used need to be improved at every single step. In the case of the Social Credit Scores program, the data collected spans every aspect of an individual's life. An individual or business will be given an identification number that links to their individual permanent record. This record will then be accessible on a Credit China website, which has yet to be created, but that's the Chinese government's goal. A few key pieces of data that the program intends to collect includes the following. And this is a pretty long list, um, so bear with me as I go through it. <laughs> so number one, the social credit score programs collects data on an individual's finances. This tells China just how much you're making, where you're making it, how you spend it, how you save it, what's important to you, um, what kind of emergencies you can pay for, how close you are to not being able to pay your rent. Um, it also collects your habits, places you visit and spend your money at, and possible vices that you may have. Not only that, it also shows China just how impulsive you are when it comes to spending and saving your money. Number two, the program also collects social media activities. They look at what you post, when you post, what things you like on social media, how long you will look at certain images or posts, what websites you go to, and the changes in your belief system as a result of these social media activities. And if these go against any of the societal standards of behavior, then your score lowers again. Number three, the program also collects your credit history. They look at your ability to pay back loans or lines of credit, as well as how reckless you are when it comes to spending money, and if the money you're making is made by doing things that are considered inappropriate or dishonest. Number four, they look at your health records. Uh, so that includes things like your visits to hospitals or mental health care providers and what you went in for, as well as what you discussed with your doctor, any tests that were run, any medications that you are currently on or have been on in the past. They also look at any illegal behavior that may be the reason that you ended up in the hospital to begin with. So things like, were you doing drugs? Were you intoxicated? Did you get into a fight and come in with a black eye? The list is endless. Number five, they also look at your online purchases. So any purchases, either strange or just normal ones, any reviews you leave or products you look at, as well as what other products may be available on these websites and whether they're also considered inappropriate or dishonest in some way. Number six, they look at your tax payments. So how honest are you about the money that you earn and are you paying the government what they think you should be paying them? Number seven, legal matters. Uh, they look at if you've ever been to jail or been arrested, as well as all of the details about your criminal history that either implicates you or is used to defend you. They collect data on any discussions that have been had about you by law enforcement or anyone that is speaking negatively about your behavior. If there are any complaints against you from other citizens or reports made against you, those will be in there too. That data is going to be collected. Uh, they also collect data on who you've associated with in the past or are currently associating with. And as a result, if you're hanging out with some people who are just into some strange things or they 
let's say they graffiti things on the weekend, um, yeah, you can bet your credit score is going to be lowered as a result of that. And you won't even know why it's going down. You'll just, you'll see the residual effect. In addition to your criminal history, they also collect the likelihood of an individual committing crimes or associating with those that commit crimes or behave in ways that conflict with the government's standard for society. And number eight, last of all, the social credit score system uses all of the video and all of the photo surveillance collected countrywide. And you can be sure that there is a lot of data. In fact, China has over 200 million surveillance cameras in operation 24-7 across the entire country. Not only that, these cameras are linked up to a system that has full facial recognition software and is monitored around the clock. All of this data has one purpose in mind, to control individuals simply by incentivizing good behavior and punishing bad or insincere dishonest behavior. The system creates a space where behaving in any way other than what is socially acceptable is is immediately seen, recorded, and punished by a lower score. The lower your score goes, the less other individuals, companies, and the government will trust you in your day-to-day life. As a result, individuals may refuse to date you, companies may refuse to hire you, and fines may be sent to your house. Additionally, you may even get arrested or jailed. And that's pretty scary, right? That's just the beginning. Any data that shows that an individual doesn't follow any of the established societal norms or standards or goes against any contractual agreements is immediately reported to the government and will be a part of that person's permanent individual record. Initially, the social credit scores program used paper records to keep track of an individual's behavior. That method was considered to be too slow and the government soon began looking into technology that could speed up the process, making the data more accurate and more easily accessible. This system is still being created, and in the future, the records will be available online through a credit reporting website, just like the financial system uses here. But in the meantime, the Chinese government is watching how a few large companies are collecting, analyzing, and reporting individual social credit scores. Now, the social credit score program has a few of the same benefits that the financial credit score implemented by the U.S. and other countries have. Like, for instance, better money management, better lending practices, better opportunities because of loans and credits, as well as even human beings being more honest when it comes to how they borrow and pay back companies that give them money. But like I mentioned earlier, there is a flip side to any technology out there, and the social credit scores program has just as many cons, if not more. For individuals with high social credit, the world opens up and the opportunities are endless. They can rent properties, they can get better jobs, they can earn more money, they can have better choices in a significant other, and essentially, they can even have better opportunities to provide for their family. And I know it sounds strange to think that a better social credit score could lead to better choices in a significant other, But there is already a large dating company, and the article by BBC will be linked in the show notes for you to read, that provides users looking for love with the option of posting their social credit scores on their profile. For those with good credit, their credit becomes an added perk to their overall package. But for those with a low social credit score, the doors begin to slam shut one after the other. And if you decide to do a bit more research on this technology, you'll come across countless articles from large publications explaining just how twisted the punishments and consequences of having bad behavior in this program can be. Some of the punishments that countless articles have discussed include the following. 
Number one, you can be blacklisted and labeled as a dishonest person. Number two, you can be restricted from buying property, signing a lease, or even applying and receiving loans or lines of credit. Number three, you can be restricted from buying train tickets or even traveling outside or inside the country. It's been reported that over 9 million people with low social credit scores have been blocked from purchasing plane tickets for domestic flights. Number four, you can be fined, and until your fine is paid, you will remain on that list with that label. Number five, the program can even ban you and your kids from the best schools in the country. And number six, they can even slow down your internet speeds, which means you have less access to knowledge or information, which also directly impacts the opportunities that are available to you. All of these punishments have serious impacts on your life, some of which are a little bit more serious than others, like losing your home, you may lose your job, and you may even be unable to travel to see your family members in cases of emergencies. And at the end of the day, there is no official social credit program yet, so there's nobody you can contact. You won't receive a notice in the mail telling you that you've been labeled, but your rights may just be restricted indefinitely if need be. And because the algorithm is a mystery to everyone, other than the people who created it, of course, your life and the opportunities available to you are no longer entirely in your control. So how do we know that the system is unbiased or fair? And how would individuals even know which behaviors are hurting their scores? Well, for one, I haven't seen anything out there that tells us that it's going to be an unbiased, fair system. We technically just have to believe that what they say they're doing is what they actually are doing. In addition to that, an individual can't necessarily know which behaviors are hurting their scores. They can look at the things that are considered good and begin doing more of those and less of the ones that people believe are bad. Things like jaywalking, not paying fines, walking a dog without a leash, playing video games for hours a day, these are all things that have been mentioned as credit-lowering behaviors, but they're not mentioned in any official document. These are just things that are coming from media sources, nothing official. For the things that are considered good or credit-increasing behaviors, those would be things like donating to charity, driving the speed limit, or even reporting others who are dishonest or insincere, which is basically enforcing the idea that your neighbor can see you littering outside your door and next thing you know, your credit score has dropped maybe 20 points or something like that. And essentially, we can't even know whether or not this system accounts for extraordinary circumstances. But hopefully these companies will provide that option and hopefully the government will also include those options in the final version of the program. But no one is completely sure what will happen yet. And while we don't really know every single thing that is considered while calculating these scores, the press release I mentioned earlier goes through the reasons and the goals for creating and implementing this program. It doesn't really dive into the companies connected to the system, nor does it provide a full list on every single individual that has a role in creating the system. But there are a handful of companies, like I said earlier, that the government is watching to see which practices are the best for collecting, analyzing, and calculating social scores. But to the average citizen, the best means of getting some answers may be to dig into these companies and begin asking for reports on how the system works and how they can protect themselves in cases where the data on their file is incorrect. 
But at the end of the day, even this may be futile, since these large companies are at the mercy of the government in the long run, and they may eventually be shut down if they were to reveal information to individuals, companies, or the media. And yet again, hacking of this data and its use against individuals is something that we have to keep in mind as we move forward. There are plenty of downfalls to having so much of our data being controlled by large corporations or governments. And in cases where an individual's data or basically their entire life is incorrectly adjusted or manipulated, the best way to proceed is to assure that you as an individual keep excellent records of your own behavior, as well as your interactions with others and your choices on a day-to-day basis. It can be difficult to prove that you did not do something that was reported. And since this is a new frontier in itself... Being aware of the changes in technology and what that means for you is the first step to having some control over your life. Additionally, we may start seeing an increase in mental health issues in China and worldwide once this tech is wildly used, mainly because of the change in how we interact with those with lower social credit scores. The social credit scores program may be creating and enforcing a new caste-like system. And we have seen how caste systems or tribe-like mentalities affect human behavior. The separation between those with higher scores and essentially better lives may create a rift where an individual's score essentially determines the way that they are treated, which could result in a whole other set of issues for us to deal with in the future. We have also seen it happen with the financial credit scores program. There have been cases where individuals have been left feeling so hopeless useless and overwhelmed with how much it will take to change their financial situations that they do eventually spiral out of control and give up entirely. This should be considered when implementing such a system. While it's easy to believe that raising the standards for all humankind and that shaming negative behavior can only have a positive impact on every society as a whole, it would be naive to assume that improvement is the only thing that can occur. All right, that's all I have for you this week, and I truly hope that you found this interesting. As always, if you have any strange or creepy stories about your interaction with a tech company, gadget, or app, or any other tech-related things, we would love to hear it. You can send your audio clip or story to win at lshampole.com. You can also find the Creepy Tech Podcast and me, Lydia Champole, on Instagram at tech underscore creepy and on Twitter at tech creepy. You can also look for me on my website, lshampole.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating and subscribing on iTunes to let me know. It definitely makes my day knowing that there's someone out there interested in the same things that I am. Thanks again for joining me, and I hope to have you along on this journey next Tuesday with another creepy topic. Tech, 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 tech,